Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Pigskin fans, the moment you've been waiting for all season is right around the corner. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing you their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you will get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and Andy and I are back with Season 2, Episode 15, as the New York Rangers fall to the Buffalo Sabres and find themselves all the way at the bottom of the standings. Not just in our division, but in the league. So with that, Andy, I ask you, how are you doing? Not great, Bob. Um, you know, I was really looking for them with because they were playing... They were playing the way that they should have gotten had it. They deserved a better fate, but the fact that they they played one good period and then they let a bad goal totally demoralize them and they gave up. Uh, and you know that's the point where it's. I know the top six hasn't been going, but that's the point where there needs to be some of those older guys telling the young guys like not to be deflated. Yes, we're without Heedle right now, so obviously we're a little, we're a bit of a donut. But um, you know, this is where we can we have to bear down here and make things happen. And just the fact that they came out so flat, the fact that 
Steve Valaket was was roasting them a little bit in the post game. The fact that Sam and Joe were pointing out how lethargic and demoralized and defeated they looked. You know, it's really alarming. It's and it's not it's not even I think that's more alarming to me than the fact that they're in last place. Well because yeah, sorry. What were no, you no, 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 please go. I want you to keep going. So what what I was saying is this because like I said, the way they were playing, they deserved a better fate. They were dominating teams every night. They were up some games, they made some dumb decisions, shot themselves in the foot, weren't getting the saves. You know, if they were getting a little bit better goaltending from Shesterkin and Georgiev, you could argue that maybe they instead of having uh, three points on the season, they might have at least five, you know, or six or whatever. But yeah, the point remains, though, is that they needed a, just to, they were, they're in a funk and they needed to push through it. And not only did they not push through, is that when the second things got tough, uh, they, coll- they collapsed like it, they folded, or at least the, the older, the top six did, you know? And the fact that the only guys I really see putting in their best efforts right now or some of the younger guys is really disheartening and alarming to me. And I'm sure we're going to, we have, we have plenty of time to talk about it, but yeah, man, after last night, I was just not, I was mad that they lost those games versus uh, the Penguins and the, the Devils, but I'm more, I've never been more disappointed. That was one of the worst efforts I'd seen from them. You know, they, they were pretty okay in the first period. They played a good road period. And then after that, it was just a real, Real embarrassing effort, and you know, and then yet another press conference where we got to figure out how to stop this, and we have to find the answers, and we got to take a look, a hard look at ourselves, and you know, they've been saying that for how many games now? You know, you can have high expectations for yourself, but clearly you don't believe it. If you know, I don't know, we haven't heard anything about what they say. We're going to talk with our leadership group and this and that, and I don't know. I feel like. I'm I'm a bit new, more new school when it comes to things like that, but I also feel like this is the time where you would need a guy to close the door and get in people's faces, and you know, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, all right. So going into this game, it's like you came off two tough losses to the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know what? Pittsburgh is a better team. They they've had more success in, recently. Uh, they're a playoff team, or at least a lot of people penciled them in to be a playoff team. Uh, you dominated those game, dominated those games, and now you move on to Buffalo, and you know Buffalo is finding their struggles, you know their inconsistencies, and you show up and you play. I thought the first period they played a well structured, even keeled game. They didn't really give Buffalo too many opportunities. They kind of threw the puck out of the zone. I thought they they played as a five man unit, and you know kind of felt things out, which is sometimes what you need to do on the road, especially in the first period. And then, um, you know, you come out in a second, and I just felt like the, the entire team, I felt like they lost the game. And they weren't even losing. They were up 2-1 to one after Ke'Andre Miller's, uh, you know, blast from the point. And, you know, we'll talk about that on, when we get to the more positive part of the podcast. But, I mean, just watching this team deteriorate when there was really nothing to sulk about it's like you're not going to blow out every team especially on the road and you're going to have to grind games out you're going to be up you're going to be down you know it's a full 60 minute game and it's like we give up as soon as like things don't seem to be going our way and you're exactly right with our top six and uh, there's just there's no effort there 
the only people that are running around skating causing mayhem are, you know, the guys that, you know, we questioned before the season if they're going to, you know, you know, what kind of role they're going to be playing in. Right now, they're, they're the only players we have. You know, Colin Blackwell is, is, shouldn't be our only chance to be able to provide any offense. Phil DiGiuseppe is not a, a guy that should be playing first line minutes in the NHL, but here we are. He's our, you know, maybe our best forward or most consistent forward right now. Um, and things would be really, really bad if we didn't have Adam Fox and K. Andre Miller playing as well as they, they are because, you know, they're, they're rushing the puck. They're creating offense. They're getting shots through from the point. Um, you know, and, and it's just not, it's not just our forwards too. Tony D'Angelo, like there's an, a, you know, the power play shorthanded goal that technically wasn't a shorthanded goal because the, you know, penalty was going. Why are you all, all the way on the boards when the puck's on the other side of the ice with the penalty expiring? I mean, you have to have some self-awareness here and, and say, okay, the penalty's about to expire. I have to play through the guts of the ice and I have to back up out of the zone. And if you don't keep the puck in, so be it. You have a guy coming out of the box. You don't want to give up those opportunities. But here we go, True. But once again, you know, uh, bobbles the puck and it shoots out and squirts out and there's nobody back. You have Kako coming, I think, through the middle and Tony coming from the other end and he wasn't, you know, quick enough to get there. You know, these aren't, you know, the Blackwells and, you know, the DiGiuseppe's and the, you know, Brendan Lemieux's mistakes that are killing us. These are from the guys that are making the most money the guys that are supposed to be our leaders and guys that are supposed to provide some sort of offense. And it's not there. And I don't know. We, you, we can't blame every loss on Quinn because he can only do so much. I mean, it's not like, you know, Mika scored three goals and Panarin scored two when we lost six, five, because, you know, the play of our, you know, defenseman or the play of our, you know, bottom six lines, giving up, you know, too many chances. That's not what's happening here. So I think you're absolutely correct in, in questioning leadership and, and questioning uh, the roles are uh, so quote unquote superstars, but you know, something's got to give and, you know, I think we'll get into it. I mean, what did you think? Um, you know, obviously, you know, when we gave a lot of heat to Quinn, but you know, what did you think of the game plan given Heedle out in the lineup uh, for the Buffalo game? You know, I think it's tough because it's like if the game plan was what they did in the first, then I think it was solid. Obviously, my biggest issues were, you know, Jack, the Rangers have not scored a goal with Jack Johnson on the ice and he's just he shouldn't have been put back in. He made a comment about Smith being bad. I don't remember Smith being bad. I maybe he had one. Was he on even on the ice for that late goal they gave up? I, I don't think so. I think it was Andre and Truba right in the last game. So I just don't understand. It's just, I don't, you know, it's, I can't, I almost don't want to devote more time to this because I think it's, you know, I think people are, most Ranger fans, at least on in Ranger social media, are on the same page that their biggest problem with Quinn is that, is deployment and lineup decisions. And then, and then after that, it's maybe the fact that they feel that the, the Rangers don't exactly have a structure and that more, it's more so it's like, you know, just kind of support each other all over the ice and then you can kind of do what you want. And, you know, he almost gives guys too much freedom, I think, sometimes. Maybe it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, with jazz, it's like, you know, you have to know the rules first so you can break them. And sometimes it's just there's ill-advised forced hero plays, especially I know Panarin and Strom like to 
like to you know pass from one side of the rink to the other and i get it but if they're in a funk right now where those aren't going and a lot of so many turnovers you know strome and even and, and even brett even panarin's been you know he's just not looked himself despite leading the team in points he's just forcing a lot of stuff it's just it's not going for these guys and this would just be a point where just structure and even if it's like you know, I think I think the most disheartening thing about last night is that the one thing I felt good about this season, I was like, oh, my God, we're finally like possessing the puck more than the opponent for the first time in the last few years. And I can remember we're taking the line share of the shots. And I'm like and like I had mentioned to you in a text that it kind of reminded me of Carolina a few years ago when those go, those guys were, you know, they're, you know, the Ajo was a rookie and, you know, they were a younger team that had talent like and Brendan Moore was just coming in and that it's like they have talent, but it's just not ready yet. It's not mature yet. So that was, you know, it's kind of almost fine with me. I was hoping they'd find a way out and goaltending would bail them out. Um, but the fact that they kind of re- resorted to, especially like you said, in the second period, they just stopped playing and they just try stop skating and stop trying. It's almost like they were demoralized. They thought it was like a foregone conclusion. They were going to lose that game. And then they just tried to, instead of just doing trusting what they were doing, which is how you come. That's kind of how you you tie up games that you're you're behind, and you just keep doing what you're doing and trust that the process will work itself out. They just tried to again get too cute and too fancy, and and just try to yeah, they were trying to force plays that weren't there. And I mean, it just stinks because look at you look at Lafreniere and he's getting chances, but he just looks so tentative. He's bobbling the puck. These are things you're not used to seeing from you know, even though he's. And listen, granted, I'm sure all of them, him included, obviously, because he wants that first point is gripping the stick very hard. But, you know, it just and I can't believe I'm going to say this right now. I thought, you know, as far as our top six goes, I think the only guy, even though he frustrated me at times last night, like Kreider was trying to get something going. And he obviously he scores a goal, which is good, beautiful play by Butch, who was also only one of our only good players the other night. but. At the same time, it's because he's like, he's overzealous. He's, he, Kreider also forced a lot of passes were too hard. He takes a bad penalty cross-checking, um, I think it was Colin Miller, like into the boards because he's like trying to stop a cycle. I, you know, I, I have my own issues with Kreider and that contract, but at least he was trying. I don't know what the excuse is for a Zibanejad or a Strom or, you know, or a Truba where these guys just think they can just, I don't know, that that they're scared being scared of making things happen just means they can't try to play aggressively or play the right or do push offense. The NHL is too good at this point in time for you just to like go through the motions and think you're going to be able to pick up points that way, you know. It's yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just really disillusioning and I think now that you I think the question we're left with James is is this a coaching issue, which I think it partly is, but it also it kind of makes me uh, and which I want to talk to you about is that with this leadership group, it's like they haven't given out a, a C yet. And we we're kind of like, oh, who's going to be this guy? Is it going to be this guy? Are they going to wait? If if we keep getting the same, you know, canned response from the leaders just dejected, looking at themselves and being like, we got to figure this out. Like, and just you don't sense the urgency to get out of this. You know, it's just really it's really frustrating. So I don't know. I want to get your take on that. Yeah, well, I definitely think coaching uh, has a lot to do with, you know, some of the problems that we see right now. Um, his lineup decisions are really inconsistent. Uh, his excuses for not playing certain players are are based off of kind of like nonsense. It's it's 
he's only benching players if they take bad penalties. It's like that shouldn't be the way you coach. It should be based off of the play. You know, you're bound to take bad penalties at times, especially a younger team. You know, you get you get, you know, uh, trapped in your own zone or, you know, you, you try to you try too much in the offensive zone. And you take a dumb tripping penalty below the goal line like that stuff happens with younger teams and younger players. And and, you know, especially to the younger guys are not going to get the benefit of the doubt of a call if, you know, if it's a 50 50 play and they, you know, a player gets tripped up. You know, Panarin might, you know, they might swallow the whistle for Panarin, but, you know, a kid like Di Giuseppe might, you know, uh, they might make the call for. So I, I do think, you know, you got to look at coaching first. I mean, it, some of the decisions to put yourself in a, in a position to win, I question. And I think we've discussed the lineup thing pretty much every podcast so far this season. The one thing I really want to dive into is his decision on the power play. and. What are we doing? What kind of shots are we attempting? Because the only thing that I see this power play doing, and they play a minute and 45, and then unit two goes out there and gets 15 seconds to accomplish absolutely nothing. But the power play one seems to just give the puck to Mika on the goal line and him trying to shove it into a pad and hopefully, you know, hope it, you know, the puck becomes transparent enough to, you know, go through the goaltender's pad. So, I'm not really sure what they're trying to do. I mean, whatever happened to generating shots from from the point, crashing the net in a high low presence? You know, someone right on the crease and someone, you know, shooting through the slot. Um, we have we have nothing. We have absolutely no power play, and it's 0 for three last night. And you went, you know, two for four on um, the the PK. So obviously, you know, what things things aren't working, and an outlet for the the, the quote unquote superstars of this team is maybe the worst aspect of their entire game because that's where you can maybe some build some sort of confidence and and momentum but you know the, these guys are are absolutely horrendous on the power play right now and the system on the power play is I, I don't even know what it is it's it's shots from the goal line is that that that's our big attempt what are your thoughts on the power play yeah i agree i i don't agree with the the personnel on power play 1 or 2 I mean, why Strom? I just I I haven't seen him do anything worthwhile in the power play going back to last season. I don't know why he's still there. Um, you know, I think we we talked about how obviously Mika's shooting percentage is going to regress, and everything's not going to go in for him like it was last year. But so clear, and I think now with that added pressure, he's clearly you see him shanking shots. They're trying to get him little chips. They do that thing where they pass to him at the goal mouth, and then he tries to like do the Jeff Skinner thing of quickly chip it upstairs, but I just, that's clearly not going to work, especially because Buffalo is say what you will about them, but they're, they're pretty, their PK was pretty, yeah, they, they were doing a good job boxing out, not being over committing and letting their goaltender see, see pucks, but also making sure that presence in front of the net was quickly, quickly addressed. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, I just don't, you know, you could see that when they, Quinn finally put a unit, that second unit out, that had, I think it uh, it was a uh, Kako, uh, Lafreniere, uh, D'Angelo, Lemieux, or excuse me, Atruva. They actually were the only, they, that was probably the best that it looked in terms of generating because there was rebounds and the guys were shooting, but then they were also trying to make quick passes. You know, and I understand if they're taking, you know, everyone loves that. Every power play loves that just cross the seam play. Like I understand, but just there wasn't a lot of just putting it on net just to put it on net or purposely putting it low 
forcing you know uh forcing the, uh, the goaltender to make a save and hoping for a rebound you know what i mean especially if it squirts out and the guy can pick it up like how many goals last year did panarin on the power play score off of that there was a little a low shot on net and mika was there tying sticks up and it would squirt out and then he would just kind of zoom in and just put stash it like there was none of that you know i just it's just, yeah i don't know there's just too much when things aren't working, instead of trusting that we can, we have it within ourselves to figure this out or get out of it. There's Quinn tries to jumble things up. And, you know, I know every te- fan of every team complains about the coach jumbling lines and changing things up, but I think it's just, that's one of those things that it was working last year with, and I, I I've liked Fox obviously on that first unit. I think that's a good move especially considering Tony has been off this season. But yeah, I don't know why Strom is there. You should have Kreider in front of the net. You should have Panarin and Zibanejad. Uh If anything, I would, you know, I, if anything, I think I might try uh, having Mika on the right wall where the Strom has been for the most part. I know it's, that makes him less of a shooting threat, but at the same time, we did see him have some nice uh, early last year. He he was operating in front of the net, closer to the front of the net, and also making some passes to Panarin through that slot, you know, especially because he can work well on the walls, you know. And Buchnevich obviously has been good just doing what, you know. I think, if anything, I would like to see Buchnevich shoot the puck more because he's got a pretty hard shot and it's accurate and he's crafty and smart. I just haven't seen, he still is primarily a playmaker. So even though he's been more confident this year, he's still not shooting the puck, but I think, I think they definitely need more of a, a shot threat from that other side. Cause I think they just know no Panarin's or Mika are going to try to either shoot it from uh, right in the crease, like you had mentioned, or just right from the, the left circle. Cause they know that no one's going to try to put the puck in from that right side. Unless Kreider runs up and telegraphs it like he's, you know, so apt to do. Right. Yeah, and and listen, they're giving them the pass down low to to um to Zibanejad. And you know, teams are just defending. They know, they trust in their goalie to just hug the post and basically you eliminate any chance of Zibanejad scoring unless a puck becomes again, like I said before, transparent and it goes through them. Um they can defend the shot with a, you know, essentially a rotating triangle, so it pretty much nullifies that whole side of the ice. Uh when they allow the, you know, the the pass to get through down low. They're giving him that time and space, and he's just not able to capitalize because it's a low percentage scoring area. That I don't care, you know, if it's five on three, you know, the goal line and two feet above it is not exactly a, uh, you know, a scoring zone on the ice. You eliminate that shot, and then there's really no other, there's no other threat on the power play, especially on the other side, because who, who, I mean, who's over there? You have Strom over there. You have Kreider in front of the net. You have Mika down low. You have Panarin. Uh, you know, playing the left-hand side as that trigger shooter, and then you have the, you know the defenseman up top, down the, down the center. Um, they're not shooting. Uh, it's not really getting passed over. And there was a few times where you know, at least I saw Lafreniere on that with that unit a little bit, and he's you know slapping his stick as hard as he can, like give me the puck. At least let me try. At least make the attempt to yeah. pass. And you know, I, it's on the the puck is on Panarin's stick, so. I'd rather Panarin to try a cross ice pass instead of a shot that's going to get blocked because there's no momentum and no like movement, unpredictable movement, I should say, because they're letting Panarin have the puck, but he's so far out and he's so, you know, close to the boards that, you know, again, the shot, the shot quality on a power play, it's just not working. There's no movement. 
there's got to be some sort of rotation. Um, and, you know, I, I, there needs to be. And that comes with having two threats on either side of the ice uh, being able to shoot. So, you know, I'm good on uh, Lafreniere to at least slam his stick down and, and let him know that I'm there. And hopefully, you know, maybe the defenseman will kind of like look over to see and you can distract them a little bit to create a little bit more open ice if you, you know, choose to go back up to the point and, uh, you know, get a shot from there. But again, man, just, you know, some of the decision making. Strom does not belong on a power play. That's not his style. Uh, I don't know if you're trying to get him going, but, you know, let him be the cerebral, you know, rover on power play too, if, if anything. Uh, you know, again, I just, the power play is a way for your team to get momentum. And right now it, it's killing us. And you see it's frustrating our superstars. And, you know, they're just sulking on the bench after failure after failure on the power play. And, you know, I think our success special teams is going to be important this year if we're going to have any sort of success and uh it's just frustrating because i didn't think it was a huge problem last year thought our power play was very good uh this year it's the complete opposite you know and you know looking at our defensive zone structure i thought that has gotten a little bit better i i honestly have i I think our play in the d zone is a little bit better this year and yet we're we're worse so Go figure. And I think a lot of it has to do with special teams and gaining momentum and confidence. But um, yeah, I mean, now I guess I don't know if you want to talk about, you know, individual players and their play, but, um, you know, there's so many different well, directions to go from here. Yeah, I, I do, because I, I think it, just to save to break this podcast up from being all just us being doom and gloom. Let's talk about K. Andre and where he's at right, right. now. Scores his first NHL goal. I mean, the hype train has no breaks for this kid. He still made some great plays. Uh, you know, I think he had one just a few times in transition coming over from his side because Truba is just backing up like he's trying to back up a school bus with ample runway, giving no giving a guy no gap control. Just you know, whatever. Just trying to make sure he's ready. Keandre just quickly in a few strides clocks it. Uh, swings over through the neutral zone, gets a stick on it, you know, because he's such that his his uh, wingspan is so long and his stick is so long, and just swats it, and now he's going the other way, way with the puck and he's on it, and like and just his skating transitions are so smooth, it's like he's it's just natural and it's just scary, man. He's it was very Hedman esque, and it's just one of those things that even there sometimes he made some he forced some bad plays he had some turnovers but his recoverability because he can skate so well is amazing you know when he makes he he might try something and put make a little fire but then he puts it out because he can recover so well and yeah it's just the, what we've seen it's it's i was obviously coming into the season i was much more tentative because i had seen he had kind of had a little bit of a I don't want to say down, but just, yeah, maybe an underwhelm after his, his freshman year at Wisconsin was so promising. He was a little bit watching him last year at Wisconsin. He was a bit, and even his uh, world junior play, he was just like, yeah, his decision-making wasn't great. And he was a little tentative and, but whatever happened, he got, he's, they said he put in the work and watched a lot of film and that's clearly clear. Cause he just looks, he looks confident, man. And I think that's just what it comes down to. He doesn't. He looks like he's not afraid to make the mistake. Clearly, he's trying, and I think every game he just gets a little bit more. The time in the space gets a little bit more easier. You see him trying to push offensively a little bit more, and be more aggressive. He's getting. It looks like he's getting used to 
what he needs to do for board battles now because he was at first two games even though he looked good with his skating he was still kind of trying to shake pressure and he looks a little bit feistier I, there was a scrum behind the net and I, I he kind of grabbed you know two <laughs> one or two guys and just kind of pulled them back off the pile you know and especially if that's if that's the one good thing about partnering with Truba if some of the phys- physical stuff rubs off on him that's uh definitely definitely not a bad thing right um but yeah man I mean he just he looks so good that that shot from the point was perfect D-man shot hard accurate low off his stick in a second you see the rotation on his hips he gets and it's just perfect and it, it just like you said everything he does looks so easy it looks like he didn't it wasn't like one of those <laughs> you hold your stick in the air for a big drive it's just like a, a quick snap of the hips and it was just off his stick man and just perfect and he even when he was it was his first goal and he he wasn't even smiling he was just kind of looked like that's right he's he's not messing around this kid he he has high expectations for himself and he's playing with confidence and yeah man i just i i could gush about Kandre all day probably the only good thing that's happening to this team right now is the emergence of Kandre miller and what that signals for the rangers future Absolutely. I mean, the the one thing that I've noticed about him is like his situational awareness on the ice is so far advanced uh, beyond my expectations for a rookie defenseman. And usually a kid that's six foot five, you know, over 200 pounds, big and strong will lack, you know, the ability to skate. Or if he's a good skater, he may lack that, you know, um, you know, physical presence in the corners against, you know, an NHL four check. Uh, you know, they may make decisions where they force things up the boards when they should have skated or they should have skated, you know, when, you know, thrown stuff up the board. Like, there's so many different things that, you know, a defenseman, a rookie defenseman, you know, has to kind of get used to. And it seems like it took Keandre one game. And it's it's unbelievable. It's it's really, you know, nice to see. It's It's the silver lining of every single game that we've played is to see the success of Ke'Andre Miller. Um, you know, obviously he was a first-round draft pick. You know, I think Ranger fans had high hopes. You know, a big defenseman, um, you know, that was promising in college. You know, could he make it, you know, with the big club? And the fact that he's done it so quickly, he's 20 years old. He's still got a lot of learning to do. Um, but right now, he's showing that he's just mature in his decision-making. His, uh, his skating is right now at an NHL level. I mean, I thought that would certainly be his kryptonite. Um, But at 6'5", he's skating like the wind. Uh, He's making all the right decisions. He's not forcing anything. You see him just play a well-structured, simple game, and it's paying off in in tremendous dividends right now. You know, he's plus six. He's got a goal and an assist. He's a plus six. I don't think he's been out there for a five-on-five goal. Uh, or uh, I don't even know if he's been out there for a goal against period. Well, wasn't or he, did that end uh, last wasn't night? he out there? I think he, wasn't he out there for the goal in the, in, where in the, the first Penguins game? scored in the, no, where the Penguins scored in like the last, uh, you know, what minute and 30 seconds. I think he was on the ice for that one. Right. Oh, right, right, right. So yeah. Cause I knew yeah. there and was, listen. and like, well, trust me that, that it's going to happen. He's going to get scored yeah. upon. I mean, he's, yeah. But, I mean, you have to actually think about goals that he was on the ice for because they just don't happen. You know, his, his five-on-five yeah. play is almost perfect. Um, you know, and he's playing with Truba, and honestly, I, I feel like Truba is the one holding him back when it should have it should be the other way around. 
um yeah it, dude it, i i just i'm like speechless i this never happens to the new york rangers you know our prospects especially you know after Kako and lafreniere you know it's not very often where you bring up a kid and after one game he becomes our best player and one of the most dominant players on the ice every game he plays calling all jets fans and foodies What's going on, guys? I'm Brandon Rewicki, the host of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Look, if you love Jets hockey, this is the place for you. In-depth breakdowns from every game, a deep dive into the big plays and moments from Winnipeg's season, and all the Jets talk you will not find anywhere else. We got it for you on Skates and Plates. Plus, if you love carbs and everything tasty, we jump into the world of food as well. Once a week, we also speak with a member of the local culinary scene to highlight their great stories and the great food they put out. So there it is. Hockey, jets, food, drink, everything good in life. It's right here on Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Like I said, it's just the fact that right now, between Heedle, unfortunately, who now, oh, we didn't even talk about that. He's Heedle is now going to miss what four to six weeks because of his injury, right? Uh, which sucks because he the kid looked poised and confident. Was tr- he's dangerous every game. He was one of the best uh, play drivers in the league in a sh- short sample, obviously. But you know, between him and Keandre, and even the play of Buchnevich, you kind of said, you know what? Even if there is Mika eventually gets traded or something or whatever ages out or the play falls off you felt good about the future especially with the way Kako is going and uh, or has been going you know he's looked defensively Kako has actually really impressed me and he's definitely trying to play off the puck improve he's competing more uh I think it's one of those things where because I think he's looking right now how I think Ranger fans probably would wanted him to look last year so if you think about it um, yeah, it just, but it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things that it's a shame that these performances by Keandre and Fox looking even more poised and confident and, uh, Heedle and, and yeah, and Buchnevich, it's just, it's all wasted because the guys who should be reliable and pulling the rope. And that's the thing. No one's going to be going on a given night, but you can't have four of your four supposedly best players just doing absolutely nothing. Like, at what point do you finally, the Strom experiment's over. Like, put Panarin with Mika, get him going, put Buch, Panarin, Mika, Buchnevich first line, put, La, you know, and then it just sucks because we're, we're so, de- it stinks because we have, our center depth is so abysmal right now, right? Because it's like, well, you know, I, I don't know. You you have to do something, but at the same time, it's just Strom is it's just he's I just I haven't seen anything out of him. He turned back into a pumpkin. He hasn't I feel like he has hurt Panarin more than he has helped him this season, despite really rising to the occasion and playing the perfect brand of hockey to play with him. Because it's just the, the same the same same thing. Teams are game planning for the Rangers this year. They kind of know what their shtick is and it's just not working. No one's getting caught by surprise. You know, they're just doubling up on Panarin. They're not really concerned about Strom, and it's hard for Strom to get the puck because it's like he's not giving close support. If anything, you'd think you'd want a guy with Panarin who could maybe leave a little bit of a wake for him to operate, you know? Well, all right. So, you know, why why are there rules? There's like unwritten rules on, you know, where guys need to play in the lineup. Like, 
all right, no one's really producing. So no line should really be that top heavy. And, you know, if it's a close game, you know, the extra playing time goes to the, the lines that are playing well that game. And I don't care at this point. I don't really care if Panarin plays 10 minutes a game. If, you know, if he's struggling and not playing well, sit him, bench him. I mean, you're not carrying this team right now. Mika, same with you. You're not carrying this team right now. You don't deserve to play any more than Colin Blackwell. And, you know, and that it is what it is. That's the reality of it. I'd rather lose 3-2 with Colin Blackwell, you know, on the ice in the last minute because, um, uh, because he had a tremendous game rather than, you know, watch Mika, you know, slam a stick going on the boards and pouting because, you know, it, it's one thing if those guys were dominant and hitting posts and, 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 and producing, you know, and gaining momentum for this team on the bench and stuff like that, but he's, they're not doing any of that. So maybe the lesson that needs to be taught is, you know, obviously we can't bench these players, but you know, let's limit their role. Let's, let's get, let's give these other guys an opportunity and, you know, let our superstars sit on the bench and kind of watch, you know, you know, the team, you know, be what it is without those guys on the ice, because right now, you know, the results aren't there. And, you know, and I agree with you. I think we should, you know, obviously Panarin playing the left, Mika at center and Buchnevich on the right. That's our number one line. You know, that's our money line. That's the line that's supposed to produce. Let them play. And then I don't know why Chris Kreider needs to be on the first line, the second line. Let, you know, uh, right now, I'd rather have Howden, Kako, and Lafreniere play on, on the second line. And then I'd put, um, you know, Kreider on the left, Strom at center, and, you know, a Brendan Lemieux on the right. Someone that, or, yeah. or Julian Gauthier, who should yeah. be in the lineup. Exactly. And then, yeah. you know, our, uh, you know, fourth line, you know, Rooney or Blackwell centering, you know, Lemieux or whoever, they just said whatever, whoever's left, you know, <laughs> you know, they're, I don't think those guys are really matter where they are positioned or where they are in the lineup. You're going to get the same effort out of them regardless. So, you know, again, I don't think there needs to be any rules. Well, this player makes X amount. This player has played with, you know, Zabinajad for the last, you know, three years and they were successful. Throw all that shit out. We're not that team anymore. And, you know, if Zabinajad is is hindered by, you know, the effects of COVID, then then so be it. Then he doesn't need to play a huge role with our team right now. He doesn't need to be out there every other shift. Put him on the fourth line to get him, you know, get the reps in and, and get used to uh, an NHL pace and build the, you know, the lung strength back up, you know? Listen, right now we're at the bottom of the league. This is as bad as it's going to get all season. So you might as well start experimenting and and putting players in positions where you know it, you know they might not like it, but just to experiment. You know, when the Rangers sent out the the letter, I was so stoked to finally, like, all right, we're finally going to get a chance to draft some elite talent, and clearly we have between and just acquiring guys like Fox through trades and getting you know Kako and Lafreniere and drafting Hedl uh and Kraftsoff who is who's having a great season in the KHL so hopefully you know keep him there as long as possible for before letting him come over right so before Quinn gets his hands on him um but when I after last night where and then it's like Rangers are officially last in the National Hockey League and I thought about the drafting first overall next year I was depressed and I'm like this must be how like Edmonton felt, you know, it's like, although it, it, things were a little bit more dire for them, 
because, you know, they were lucky enough that they finally drafted McDavid, but it's just like at a certain point, it's like, I don't want to, they shouldn't be in this spot. You know, it's just, and that's no disrespect to an Owen Power or a Luke Hughes or a, you know, a, a Matthew Beniers or any of those kids that might be pushing for first overall. Um, but yeah, I just don't, I don't want to be in that conversation, man. Like, yes, this team yeah. clearly needs more centers and they're going to have to address that. I think, I think if anything, they realize now, uh, that they're probably going to have to, that's their biggest, that should be priority number one for Jeff Gordon. And I don't care how you have to do it. You have those assets. If, even if you have to overpay, you have to figure out the, the center depth, because like I said, if heel goes down, the fact that you don't have a, a competent third line, you know, I mean, Howden, I think performed well as the fourth line center. I can't really, you know, hurt him for that. He hasn't, they, that line has done good things at times. They haven't really been a net negative. So, but the fact that they're just between not having an option with that, especially with Heedle gone, with not having an option at uh, two or three C is really hurting them, you know, or at least having a guy that can play center in a pinch, you know. But who yeah. knows? I mean, uh, it's but, just what. What are your thoughts yeah, on yeah, on I, making Kreider a center? Uh, Why not? He's I mean, good at face. He's actually pretty, not bad at faceoffs. Not I just, bad at face-off. You know, I think it's just one. He's you just, it's one of those things that you have to. Well, you know, I think it's one of those things where it it depends on who the line mates are, obviously, because in hockey now, there's so many Panarin kind of plays like a center who just doesn't take face offs and operates from the boards. But he's responsible for breakouts. He rushes the puck more. He's he's not the one. Yeah, he just kind of freewheels and does things his own way, which is good because it kind of goes to show it freed up Strom last year because he didn't have to worry so much about he Strom was a center who played more like a winger and Panarin was a winger who almost played at least minus the faceoffs more like a center, you know? So it's like, I think Kreider, you just have to make sure you are putting him with someone in it. Cause Kreider, like you said, he's a big, he can, he's actually pretty, he's in this, he's taken one, a few faceoffs last year. He's a big body and he actually competes hard for that stuff. He's got a little nose for it. It's just, you know, the awareness, the playmaking ability isn't there, but um, yeah, I mean, a part of me is trying to think about, well, here's the uh, thing, Andy. You're in your head right now. Yeah. You're trying yeah. to get production out of all these lines, and th- we can't have that. We 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 gotta have a line that's gonna go out there and just cause havoc, just cause mayhem, just go around skating. Don't even worry about the puck. Just finish every check of every person that's touching the puck on the opposition. Uh, you know, just get you know you know angry along the boards. You know, just grind out shifts and just be. You know, big teams be like this fucking line again, this yeah. fucking line again. Every time, honestly, fuck, I'm getting if that's hit. if if that's the case, James. You know what my my what I would try right now. Well, I'll, try... I'll give you mine. I want to hear. Oh, yours. I'll hear yours for yeah. No, give no. me yours first, and then I'll right, say right. what I was thinking. Well, I wanted Zibanej or I'm sorry, Zibanej. I want Kreider centering um, Julian Gauthier and uh, Brendan Lemieux, and just have that line just be a pain in the ass. Just hit everyone. I don't care if they're taking two or three penalties a game. Just be an absolute nightmare of a line to play against. And, you know, I'm telling you, if you let those guys just play kind of a scumbag game and just, you know, run defensemen, you know, even if it's, you know, instead of two or three seconds, it's three or four seconds after just nudge them, rub them, just be annoying to play against, that line would have a lot of success. And just, and, you know, I think 
Kreider playing down the middle, you know, he's kind of just like a, a he's kind of like a, a Clydesdale that just needs to go out in the field and run. You know, don't limit him on the boards. Don't let him. There's no positioning. Just go out there, skate as fast and hard as you can, and finish the check. Don't even worry about getting shots on goal. Don't even worry about the puck. Just I'm telling you, just cause you know mayhem and you know really just drive the other team, uh, you know, into losing their minds. I'm telling you that that line would cause a lot of issues for a lot of teams. Yeah, no, I actually agree with that. You definitely, like you said, it just needs to. Everything needs to be simplified. And you're right. Maybe I was thinking about things probably a little too much more about like production and playmaking, where it's just you just have to have lines that can really just get the other team to turn and think twice about how much time and space they have. And that will have a, a gradual effect on everyone. Um, I was thinking, honestly, it's at this point, why not Kako's look pretty good? Why not try him back? Him and Mika had some good chemistry last year. Why not do a Panarin, Zabanajad Kako line for line okay. one, right? All right. Maybe. Right. Yeah. He's been, he's been good. Buchnevich has been good this year. Uh, yeah. And then I don't know. I mean, if honestly, at this point, why not try a Lafreniere at center? Why not have a cry? If, if you're going to do that, why not have a Kreider, Lafreniere, Buchnevich line? if he should be insulated by two guys and i just think if that maybe i just think maybe i don't know i know he's he hasn't he hasn't played much center but at the same time it's like i just think giving him something else to focus on as opposed to like what he's not been able to do so far might be the best thing for him especially if it's he's it's clear i think right now that his uh his he's not you know he's never been the most fleet of foot guy he's just a, a fine skater but you could tell he's maybe a little bit i'd say NHL average or sub average right now, but that'll obviously he's a, you know, he's a young guy, so that should be relieved in time. But I think having two guys in Buchnevich and Kreider who are faster than him and can get in on four checks quicker will give him more time to be a little bit more cerebral. Cause that's the way he's clearly how he's trying to play it. You know, that's how he's played his whole career and it served him well. It's just now he's finding that it's like not, a, it's not a, the a, an exact match at this point in time for the NHL because of the speed and the pace of the game. You know, it's like and, you have to be a little bit more proactive. Yeah. And the team. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, so you know, the, the beauty of the, the Rangers not producing at all as a team is that, you know, there's really no pressure on Lafreniere. Like he's got no points, but guess what? <laughs> it's not like, you know, Zabanajad has 20, you know, Zabanajad has two, you know, you're talking about, you know, two periods to assist and he's got the same amount of points as our you know quote unquote you know superstar center so every like you know with that type of stuff with the the production i, I don't even look at the numbers let's not look at what's going to drive offense and you know you know this player is playing well so let's put all our players that are playing well together screw it just experiment out there it's not going to drive our numbers are not going to go down it's not like our 5 on 5 production is going to take a huge hit if we start putting guys that are wingers at the center position. But as far as I'm concerned, the only center that's safe is, is uh, Zibanejad. I mean, he's the only one that really you're going to be like, okay, he, he's playing center. I mean, Howden played wing last year. Uh, you know, we have Rooney, who obviously played center so far in the few games that he's played with us this year. Uh, Heedle is out. Uh, Strom obviously will be playing center, but, like, is he really crushing it is he really driving play he's not really you know that fast of a player he's uh you know he's usually a guy that you can rely on being in the right place at the right time i think he had good timing last year with 
Panarin, but that's not working. So let's change it up. Let's change everything up. Who cares? You have nothing to lose. You're already in last place. You're already the worst team in the league with Ottawa. Who cares? Have fun this like told those guys to stop worrying about production. Stop worrying about winning games. Just go out there and play your game. Whatever that is, whatever you think that is, you know, just go out there and play it. Uh, it's good. well said. I definitely think that the the key for them this next game is they have to come out and like you said, it has to be guns a blazing. It has to be it has to be less of what you've been doing. I think it just needs to be more direct. It has to be simpler mm-hmm. and it just has to I don't care if you have to coast to OT if cuz you're not like scoring fancy goals or you just happen to get a, a one or two dirty ones and even if they it just has like you said it just has to be a mindset that you need to make life difficult because I think that's the one thing is that even when they're carrying play when they slip off, it's just, or when they have a lapse, it's just their style is not difficult to play against if they're not trying to create with their offense. And that's the problem. I think that comes down to a lack of structure. I think that's a Quinn issue. Uh, it's a shame because I thought defensively, honestly, they were breakdowns, but overall, I think they've just been much more, at least until the last game, they were so much more consistent. So I think Jacques Martin had some good early returns. Obviously, Jack Johnson, whenever he's on the ice, not only can he not make a breakout pass, but he also is slow to the puck. He's just cooked. Um, but so, but that's, you know, there's no, there's no more sense in harping on that because it is what it is and we'll never understand or what, what is going on here with that or if it's just, but uh, yeah, I, I think we're about to see a lot of experiments from the taxi squad and call-ups. Um, you know, we, we saw Blackwell he scores a scores a goal uh and not the last game obviously but the game before that so we're happy and yeah he's he's like i said the fourth line guys haven't been bad they haven't been amazing uh lemieux took a bad penalty um you know three games ago but uh, yeah it's just i i do wonder if we're gonna see um i think actually i saw on twitter i think the rangers added someone else to their their taxi squad i don't know if that's just to replace uh you know, because they call, they call it, you know, the heatles out, so they have an extra spot. But, um, yeah, who knows? You know, I wonder if at some point, I, I know the Har- Hartford Wolf Pack, uh, their training camp is going on right now. So it'll be interesting to see if anyone emerges, you know, in those discussions is looking pretty good. But obviously those guys are there now, so they're going to play um, and they're going to try to assess what they have. But, yeah, I think we're about to, <laughs> I feel like the next game, unfortunately, is going to be a blender. And we're not going to like what the lines look like, you know, it's just going to be like what more head scratchers because. And I think that's with with Quinn, the biggest thing is that he kind of just keeps hoping. And I I don't necessarily think this team needs a John Tortorella type, but at the same time, you'd like to see some of that. Like, you know, just I understand his way of doing is a bench a guy, give him a game and then get him back in the next the next one. but. It's just, it's the fact that why isn't Mika, it's, you know, sad. Why isn't he on the third line? You know, why isn't his ice time reduced? Like, you know, I understand you're like, they've been in the league longer and you want to have respect for them. But if that's what it takes to really piss the guy off and maybe say, like, are you kidding me? Like, sometimes you do have to scare him a bit, right? 
Well, yeah, can't I always give can't always give those guys carrots and then give the young guys who are just trying to figure it out uh, the stick. You know, sometimes you got you got to reverse it, and that's the thing. Biggest thing with Quinn is that it's just never been consistent. It's like, oh, you've been, Jack Johnson's been in the league where it's like he can make egregious mistakes, and at the same time he he gets ice time, and th- the same time you know a, a kid's trying to do the right thing or hasn't is trying to get acclimated, and he makes one mistake, and even if it doesn't result in a goal, it's like I didn't like that, so he's sitting like. It's just it makes no sense to me, man. Right. And well, the 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 punishment is exactly right. The punishment is is different for every single player. Um, you know, and like honestly, if you're gonna play Jack Johnson, right? And it's Jack Johnson is the elephant in the room for the New York Rangers. I I don't think there's a single person out there that I've seen defend Jack Johnson and the decision making of Quinn to play Jack Johnson every game. Um. I so at that point, Quinn has to acknowledge and say, "Listen, we're not happy with Jack Johnson's play, but he brings a lot to the table in terms of being a locker room presence. Uh, you know, he's been you know a mentor to our younger players, uh, a guy, a veteran guy who's been around the league a lot. Uh, you know, on the defensive end of the puck, uh, is important for our locker room and our team right now, and that's why he's getting the opportunity to play instead of." you know, uh, a younger or younger guys who are still, you know, developing and learning the game. If Quinn just came out and said that, then you know what? It squashes any argument that you have because he then says, okay, I am not judging this player based off of, you know, his actions on the ice. I have him there for the X factors that none of the fans see. We have it in the locker room, but he won't ever say that because he's not the X factor in the locker room. He's, you know, not crushing on the ice. He's not doing anything. He's just literally, I think, afraid to go after players that have been in the league, you know, longer than he's been coaching in the league. So um, it's it's sad to see because I feel like it's hurting him. It's hurting his legacy as a coach in the NHL um, because he's going to hang his hat. I said I tweeted this out. He's going to hang his hat on players like Stahl and Jack Johnson and damage, you know, players that are younger, you know, you know, I think Kako last year, I don't think he was treated as fairly as, uh, you know, as I would, I would like Quinn to have. But uh, he drove Leas kind of out of the town. And obviously, Leas had his issues. But, you know, again, there's no consistency in his rule. Uh, I think he judges players differently according to their status in, as an NHL player. And, you know, I think Quinn can do a lot better with his decision making. And, Again, and, and you know what? And it's not all Quinn. I know we keep saying this. this you know, the, the lack of success here is not all Quinn. I mean, it's, it's right down to our leaders. I mean, some of their, you know, their attitudes that you see, they're not, they're not of leadership quality. And, you know, I see why, you know, they held off with this, the captaincy. You know, I don't know who's going to get it. And right now, the, on, the only person that I really see worthy of it has been uh, Fox. You know, I think his play... Yeah. His play on the ice and his attitude on the bench, uh, his interviews in the post game, stuff like that, have been very mature and 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 even keeled. And you know, he's not like depressed. Like I mean, you said it before, Andy. Um, Zibanejad, it, he he looks like you know someone just beat up one of his like good friends, and he you know, and they got jumped. It's like you guys lost the hockey game. Yeah, <laughs> you've been there I, I before. Just... 
Yeah, it's weird. And I understand he's he's a guy. He does things his own way. He's more of a soft-spoken, like he'll talk to guys, but he's he's not the fiery guy. Like, you don't listen. And you don't have to be always to be the captain. Like, I don't think Patrice Bergeron is is, you know, yelling at guys and getting guys face. But the same way things get addressed. And I just don't, I'm not sure if they're getting addressed with those guys, you know, maybe they might do this whole by committee thing where it's like, you'll some guy will say a sentence. The other guy will be like, he's right. Instead of one guy, just really just laying it out. Uh, at this point, honestly, I'd make K Andre the captain tomorrow. If this is what we can expect from him. Right. He, uh, he looks confident and poised and we're going to push to do what we got to do. Then. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I don't want to be overreactionary because there's a chance that if, if Mika picks it up the next game and then everything, all of a sudden he's just back, then I might go back to to harping that, you know, that he should be the captain. But at the same time, it's like I'd be lying if this whole stretch and how it's been handled so far hasn't really given me some pause. Because I just think whether it's you want to see. um, If you're a leader, you have to kind of take on the failure as well and own it a bit. Instead of just, you know, I don't know, like Kreider at one point, they asked him about the the goal, the two tying goals. And he says, I didn't see it because I was in the locker room getting worked on. And I know he's not trying to pass the buck, but at the same time, it's just like, who? that's irrelevant. Like, you could just say, like, we can't give up two goals. Just say, like, you know, or or say, like, I... You know, I personally, I don't think I've ever said, like, I personally need to be better. You know, people have asked Mika if he's being affected by COVID, which I think he is. I think, and I think if he's either A, in denial, doesn't want to believe in himself, B, uh, it's one of those things that you don't really notice when you're resting heart rate, but only when you're trying to get up, it's like a little, you're, you just don't have the energy. Or C, it's just one of those things you don't want to admit it, which I can partially understand. But, you know, I haven't heard them saying, you know, the, the, the the young guys are, are are trying hard and we're the ones who need to step up where is that ownership over that you have to own your own play and i just don't haven't seen that and Kreider, like i said i don't i don't necessarily necessarily think he should be captain and i, I but at the same time he said something like it's got to get to the point where we hate losing and like i said he was tr- i we harp on Kreider all the time because he's a frustrating player but it hasn't been going for him either, but he scored a goal because, and he was pushing and he was trying to make things happen. And you need that out of Panarin, who's clearly fighting the puck a lot right now. You know, he looks at 75%. Mika, who looks like he might be at like 30%. And Strom, who looks like he is uh, at, you know, 15%. You just need that. And I just don't see, like, I haven't seen it from those guys. And it's given me pause about eventually who should be, if someone is going to have that, where that's C, it's, you know, and you can say it's overblown with having a captain. And, you know, obviously Rangers fans, we we buy into the Mark Messier uh, mystique and lineage as being such a big piece of why they won. But you do need you need to be able to keep perspective. So, you know, it's and if it especially on a team that's this young, right, you need just to have that person there. And they had it in Lundquist. And it's just, you, I think this is what you get, kind of. It's just, even though he maybe his on-ice play was on the downturn, it's like you always had that the, the Henrik Lundquist's presence safety net just to feel like it doesn't really fall at my feet. It's like he, he carries the burden of that. And now no one's carrying that burden. So, no, yeah, it's just giving me pause. Well, no, and they, and, and you know, in kind of defense of them, like none of our stars really had to ever do that. I mean, Truba came from Winnipeg. 
where it, it's not like he was the captain there. Um, you know, Panarin has, you know, jumped around going from, you know, Columbus and Chicago. And, you know, he's never had to be the, the straight up leader there of the organization. So I wouldn't expect him to be, you know, that here. And then, you know, Kreider and, and Mika, you know, the two guys that have been, you know, ten or you can call them, I guess, tenured with the Rangers, you know, they never had to be, you know, a leader as well. And you can't replicate what Henrik Lundqvist uh, was in the locker room. You can't, uh, you know, replicate a, you know, you can't just build a Sidney Crosby in terms of a leader. You, you can't build, you know, uh, you know, a Nicholas Lidstrom. You know, those guys, you know, they have that X factor from day one when they walk into the locker room. You know, they are there to play hockey. They know that they are the best player on the team. They know what they bring um, and they, they show it on the ice and in, in the locker room. And it's clear that none of those guys have the X factor, especially, you know, the, the Mikas, the, you know, Panarin, uh, Kreider and Truba, you know, if they did, they would be named the captain. I don't think there would be any doubt about it. So the fact that we have all A's means that we're searching for the guy that's going to be that presence in the locker room. Um, I know we had um, TD on, Tom Duran on, and he spoke about signing a player like Thornton just to be in the locker room to kind of, you know, take direction and, and, you know, be the guy that's like, all right, everyone, you know, shut the hell up. Like, you know, if, you know, no, nobody's talking after that second period and, uh, you know, make people kind of sit in their own thoughts. And there's not many guys that have that, you know, uh, ability to be that presence in the league and not every team has it. And clearly the Rangers are, are lacking that presence. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you address it this year. But, you know, you mentioned something and I'll bring it up here. But, you know, uh, Brian Boyle is kind of a guy that's been through a lot. He's respected around the league. He is a center. He's obviously not not a, you know, not the the best option available for the Rangers. But he's a guy that I think has been around this organization. He gets the New York media. He, uh, you know, has been through a lot in his life and his playing career. He's had success. He's had failure. But there's a guy that when he walks in the locker room, you know, everyone's going to respect what that guy has to say. And he, he might not be Thornton in terms of a Hall of Famer uh, who's had an unbelievable career, but he is a guy that's been around the block. And you know damn well that he'll come in and his presence will be felt within that locker room. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he is abs- I think he's definitely the type of guy, like you said, I don't know if it's one of those things where you're signing him to be your fourth line center. And the fact that you've been a little weak on your depth there, and he's obviously not at the player he once was. And, uh, you know, we can't all be Joe Thornton where even at that age, they still can bring something to the table in terms of a presence. And, you know, but what, the, what you're, you're signing him for exactly what you just said. And it's that his presence, you know, obviously his physical, his physically his size, but he just has a weight. He's been around the block. He's been in this organization before he has, he'd have seniority over Kreider immediately, you know, cause he was, uh, Kreider can't when Kreider was a rookie Boyle was there, you know? So it's just like, he, yeah, he's a guy that you can, who can do that. And that's honestly, I think that's a great idea. I, I didn't know how I felt about it prior to the season, but this, it, with what's transpired so far, this is exactly the thing that you need him for, you know? Yeah. And it, even and just to help breathe them, even if they keep losing, just the, the fact that he's a guy that if they're losing at the end, he might, 
be getting frisky and getting in thing, you know, just to show them that it's unacceptable and you have to do something about it. And just, that's the biggest thing is that they were, they, they were up good, feeling good about themselves. And then they, they take, you know, Truba has a terrible pinch and then they just instantly all deflated and they gave up. And that's, you know, that has to be unacceptable. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, it's not, it's not about production anymore. It's not about, um, you know, the wins and getting points out of these games right now it's it's about growth it's about improvement it's about doing the little things you know correctly it's about trying to string together 60 minutes of hockey and if we start looking at that and our play instead of looking where we are in the standings um you know looking at the stat sheet uh and and I'm not talking about fans. The fans can, you know, bitch and moan about that. They have that right. That's I mean, that's literally what it means to be a fan, you know. Um exactly. But as the team, they need to, you know, start looking at the 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 little things and then the big things will fall into place. Um you know, I don't want to hear about, you know, you know, we need to be better. We need to, you know, work on winning games, finishing out games like I don't want to hear that from our players anymore. I, you know, I you know, say that you've been bad that you need to be better and you're failing this team that's the kind of stuff that i i, I want to hear i don't want to hear the you know we need to be better i want to hear the the i you know it's it's when there's success in the nhl it's it's a, a we situation but when there's failure there's got to be you got to look in the mirror and, and if you're a leader you're going to say i failed you know i i need to be better it can't be the we 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 problem and you know it, and I think that needs to also happen at the coaching level too. So, listen, this is going to be a rough season, man. I, I'm, I, the, not what I expected at all after the first, uh, you know, six games, and now we have fifty left. It's not promising, but it's also not the most improbable thing that the Rangers, you know, find their legs and and are able to string together, you know, an eight out of ten, you know, game winning streak. You know what I mean? So, um. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, the St. Louis Blues were in last place when they won the, <laughs> the Stanley Cup in Christmas. So, yeah. Uh anything anything can happen, but at the same time, like you said, I just think a lot of it just kind of goes to show there was a lot of special stuff going on last year. I think it was a combination of just teams underestimating the Rangers and they caught a lot of teams by surprise with their skill. And yeah, they kind of had and also like I said Mika and Panarin their shooting percentages were extremely high, but at the same time, it just teams couldn't really game plan for them and didn't understand the amount of uh, skill that they possessed. And it, yeah, they caught a, a, a lot of teams by surprise. But then once teams were able to game plan for them, i.e., when they were in the bubble, they would just kind of show that they're where they're really at. You know, they're still listen. This is still an extremely young team. Their their oldest outside of Johnson, their oldest defenseman is Truba, and he's what twenty five, twenty six years old. Uh, they don't have a lot of, you know, it makes it, their oldest players are Strom, Kreider, um, Strom, yeah, Strom, Kreider, uh, Panarin, Zabanajad, and Jack Johnson. And everyone else is like 25 or 26 and under. So, yeah, by, if you look, just in terms of every other team in the league, they're a young team, you know? They just don't have that insulation of guys just to make it feel like this is what's expected this is where we're at they're still kind of they're trying to forge that identity on the fly and it's difficult um 
But obviously the talent's clearly there because outside of this game and that stinker in game one, they've pretty much, I think they've outplayed their, and you can even argue with the first period. They just, they've outplayed their opponents. It's just the, the, you know, the mental side of it is clearly just as, if not more important sometimes. There are so many teams that despite being, not possessing the skill are perennially in the hunt because they're just the expectation is there, how they're supposed to play and what's expected of them, how they compete and just, just trusting, you know, in their role. I mean, listen, look at the Islanders. They're just on paper. The team doesn't blow you away, but they have good coaching. They trust their system. They know how they know where their supports are from their, their teammates. They know how, if they're in trouble where they can put the puck in their teammate, will get it. And, yeah, and it's a winning combination for them. And there's no reason the Rangers can't start to have more of that structure. It's just they lack it right now. And I think Quinn, unfortunately, whether it's he himself doesn't, you know, want, he thinks he needs to let them freewheel and, and try things out. But arbitrarily, there's times where he doesn't want them to do it. But at the same time, I don't think it's the system so much as it is just like, yeah, he just, I don't know. He, everyone, including Quinn, is like kind of trying to figure it out. So, um, we'll save the is Quinn, you know, the Mr. Right or Mr. Right Now discussion for a later podcast because that's a whole that can we can get into that for you know for hours. But yeah, I just think this team is trying to figure it out, and you know now you're at rock bottom now. <laughs> like you said, I don't know if you can go any lower because the, if the lower you go, then it's you're in a whole different stratosphere. You're in, you know, Buffalo unable to make the playoff for a decade, uh, Arizona, Edmonton years of drafting first overall and you don't you, that's bedrock you don't want to be a bedrock you just want to you have to stop this now so hopefully they figure it out uh we'll see what effort they give when they are you know when they face off again buffalo if you when you listen to this uh um on thursday morning they, have, they play the the sabers at night so you know here's here's hoping but uh i as of right now i'm i'm worried and uh, i don't like ending a podcast on such a low note but uh yeah i mean they have to do something fast. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.